0: forgot to mention the announcements. If you're able to uh, join us, maybe even online, our uh, kids have a special presentation at 11 uh, this morning. We're excited for our kids to to join us here in the service. Uh, We've been uh, looking at Advent and moving uh, through the Song of Mary in Luke chapter 1 and trying to learn from the eyes of Mary. We're kind of in that home stretch. Uh, This Sunday before uh, Christmas is that home stretch kind of moment where we uh, see kind of that that end in sight, where the joy, the celebration of Jesus coming, which again, gets us prepared and reminds us that he's coming again. You know, as a a kid, I remember... And maybe it's just because uh, being the youngest, but uh, I always had that, that worry that I was missing out on everyone else. Like I had to go to bed early and my brothers and sisters got to stay up late. And I felt like they were always doing something cool during those times and I was, was missing out. I remember one night uh, I really, really was going to stay up. Uh, even though I was supposed to go to bed and so I was staying up and I was trying to listen and see and hear and I was watching and waiting and, and knowing and then I, I heard my dad go to the bathroom and, and I was like, alright, well, you know, he's going to the bathroom so he's going to go to bed soon and then all the fun's going to start. Uh, I think I waited like ten more minutes before I actually fell asleep of boredom, uh, because I, you know, there really isn't anything exciting going on. We always think that there is, but there isn't anything exciting. Or if you're a, a, an introvert, you're like, I, I, I love missing out because that means I'm not doing anything. I'm staying at home. Uh, but missing out has a, a part of us that causes us to, 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 to wonder what am I, what am I missing out on? Or uh, also another part of that comes into just a fear of being different. I think that's even more prevalent today than it was even when I was growing up, this fear of being different, like we have to look a certain way, we got to act a certain way, we got to fit in so that we wouldn't get mocked or pushed aside. Now, it's fascinating to think about all the different cultures that are in the world, especially Uh, as you travel around and you see how different everybody looks or acts and different things that they do and and, and different really isn't such a, a scary thing. Even within our uh, culture here, we've got different sects of of groups of people. You've got even like the Amish, the Mennonite. They purposely want to look different than other people. And and, and you sit there and you think about, okay, what am I missing out on? What am I fearful of? And then I, I throw into the mix of all this that Jesus will change us. And we start to start to think a little bit, maybe you do or maybe you don't, I know that I do, to say, am I missing out on the right things? Am I different in the right things? And is Jesus changing the right things? Like I really wonder about those things as I spend my time and get older because I don't want to waste my life on things that don't really matter. As a little kid, as I was sitting there trying to see what am I missing out on, I found out I wasn't missing out on anything. When I was younger and I was afraid of being different than everybody else, I realized it doesn't really matter if I'm different in certain things. And then I see that Jesus is beginning to change me. I'll say, wow, there's things in my life that should be different. There's things in my life I should miss out on because Jesus is changing me. He's transforming me. We say all this because this morning we're going to spend some time looking at some people that missed out. But they missed out on what God was trying to do. And as they missed out on these things, I want to make sure we don't miss out on the things that God wants us to know versus the things that maybe we're missing out on that are important because God's trying to get our attention. You see, when Mary said this line here, these verses in Luke chapter 1, verse 51 and 53, she said, he has shown strength with his arm and scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He lifted or he filled sorry the hungry with good things and the rich he sent away empty. Mary is pulling from some thoughts that she had had not only just within the context of her life but also things that she had been taught about people that were missing out on what God was doing. She lists three of them here, and when we look at these, these categories, the proud, the mighty, the rich, we're not saying it's those are uh, external things. We're not saying that those are things, well, you know, whoever's mighty is going to miss out, whoever's rich is going to miss out. We're not, we're not talking about those external things. We're talking about the people in their hearts that were holding on to the pride and to the mighty, the riches of their own doing. In fact, it's these people that put their hope in themselves have no need for God. They have no interest in God. There's no no reason for God because they are proud of themselves. They are mighty in their own works. They are rich by their own hands. And these people are missing out on what God is doing. And so when you think about this, there's three stories that I want to share with you. Two from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament. And these stories, I think, were maybe some things that Mary were drawn on. The first one is the story of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, in the story of Daniel chapter 4, was the king of Babylon. He was a, a, a king that oversaw many things and, and was mighty by his own regards. He, he has this dream and this, this understanding and he was warned by Daniel uh, to renounce his sins and, and to watch out his ego. In fact, uh, we see in verse or 29 and, and 30 of chapter 4, he says, 12 months later, as the king was walking on the rooftop of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, is this not great Babylon? I have built the royal residence, by my mighty power and the glory of my majesty. Here you have this mighty king who was warned by Daniel, yet, yet, yet didn't pay attention to that, now boasting about his mighty works, his power. And so uh, this incredibly conceited ruler, uh, just in that moment, his mind snaps And he descends on all fours, and he acts like an animal walking around. And I believe, if my memory serves me, about 12 years he was in this state. You see, people that miss God are the ones that only see the works of their hands. Nebuchadnezzar was one who believed that everything he had done was because of his own ability, his own hands. The good story of Nebuchadnezzar is that God actually restored him, and Nebuchadnezzar recognized his own folly, and at the end of the chapter, he says, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt, honor the King of heaven, for his works are right, and his ways are just. For those who walk in pride, or for those who walk in pride, he is able to humble Nebuchadnezzar didn't recognize that it was God that was doing the works, and so he was to, had this, uh, this, this moment of just being humbled, and yet God restored him in that, and he recognizes it by the fact that he sees God as the one who does the works before him. Another story in Daniel is the king of, of Belshazzar in chapter 5. Uh, there's a moment where these armies were surrounding him and, and they uh, had come with this great reputation of winning and yet uh, Belshazzar, instead of choosing to uh, prepare and to fight, he, he begins to have a feast because he believes he's, he's invincible. He believes that nothing can take him down and nothing can stop him. And so uh, in chapter 5, this feast goes on and on and on. And we find that he begins to then take some of the sacred vessels that, uh, of, that, uh, of Israel and starts to use them in, in just wild and, and vile ways. And he begins to uh, uh, even offer up uh, kind of praises to the idols using these sacred vessels see, Belshazzar had this idea that he was invincible and he was missing God. And so he has a dream as well, too. And Daniel comes and he tells him that even this night, he's going to lose everything. In fact, even this night, he's going to lose his life. And it's very true to that same thing as he's feasting and as they're kind of having this, this just wild, just, uh, you know, uh, just disregard for the situation Uh, they come and they lose the entire empire, and Belshazzar is destroyed, and Daniel is risen and rose again in that moment. And then you have King Herod in the story of Jesus. King Herod is the one who uh, tells the wise men that he is wanting to find this baby Jesus so he can can praise him and worship him, and yet uh, through the Spirit, the, the wise men are revealed that King Herod has no intention whatsoever to To worship Jesus. He wants to kill him because he's afraid of taking his throne. Well, later on, King Herod continues on, and we find in the story in Acts chapter 12, after he had killed uh, James, uh, the brother of John, and he imprisoned Peter, uh, we find in chapter 12, it says uh, the voice of, or sorry, the people were shouting about King Herod is that he has the voice of a God, not of a man. And immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory and he was eaten by worms and breathed his last breath. But the word of the Lord increased and multiplied. I always kind of chuckled at that last verse. I I think the word of the Lord would increase (laughs) if the King Herod is struck down. It's signed up with those things like, yeah, I think I would be paying attention as well too. But King Herod was a man who missed God because he elevated himself above others. He was looking around and saying, I am so much greater than everyone else. I'm so much better than these mere mortals that surround me that even my voice is like that of God. You know, in all these things, there is still good news to find. That's what we're celebrating when we come to this moment of Christmas. We're celebrating this good news that the Messiah baby has come to make a difference. And that's the whole idea of what we're, we're recognizing, that the, the mighty in heart, or the proud in heart, or the riches in their own mind, the, the, the world looks at that and says, that's the ultimate goal is to, to just get more, to achieve more, to have more people praise you, more people celebrate you. And yet what this story tells us over and over again is that God is doing something different than even you and I would even believe. That God looks and he says, no longer do we have to play by the demands of this world. Look at, at, at this idea that light has come to, 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 to overcome the darkness. And we see this being played out. Mary is valued. The shepherds, they can actually win in life. The wise men, they find their true significance not in their wisdom, but in following the star. In everything we have of these stories There's a group of people that find God, and there's a group of people that that miss out. And although we don't want to miss out, the question better is to ask, are we missing out on the right things? Are we being changed and different in the things that truly matter? You know, As someone that grew up in the, in the 90s and in the, in the early 2000s, there was a lot of push to, to be different within the Christian subculture. Unfortunately, what I heard, and I don't know if that was the intention of the people sharing it, but it was was that, that you had to be different only for different sake, and so you were purposely trying to be different than everyone else to prove how good of a Christian you were. We didn't really recognize the idea that we were still pursuing the same things. We were still pursuing pride. We were still pursuing uh, attention and, and recognition. But we were pursuing it from a, a good perspective, right? A good Christian perspective. But it was the same root cause. It's the same root issue. I was still missing out on what God wanted from me. I was still not being different in the things that God was desiring for me. But I was just trying to, to, to win at a different game. You see, Mary, the shepherds, the wise men, the the, the people that, that, that are elevated in this Christmas story, they're realizing something that I think you and I miss out on quite a bit. Is that we have no other hope, we have no other option, we have no other choice. Than to surrender and to believe that God is who He says and that He lifts up those that the world pushes down and He brings down that the the world lifts up. You see, I'm still so convinced that in my own life, I see God just as something that is an add on accessory to life. That in reality, I still trust and believe in myself. I still think I can do it. I still think I have enough resources, enough people around me, enough education, enough uh, fallbacks, enough safeguards in my life. And that I am missing out on the dependency, the, 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 the knowing that God and God alone is what I stand on. You see, wrongs will be made right And Jesus restores. These are the good news, the the, the hope that we have. But it is only good news and hope if we recognize there is nothing else in this life that we're going to get. There's nothing else in this life that we're going to achieve. You are not missing out on anything this world has to offer. Because whatever it is, it's going to come and it's going to go and it's going to fade away. And so, as we've been asking all along, is what did Mary know? What is it that Mary knew? And forgive me for my grammar. I missed the word we. I recognize that later. So, how can we not miss out on this God perspective? Well. Mary understood and knew that she was not going to miss out. She recognized these stories of the Old Testament. She even uh, uh, didn't know King Herod, but she knew as God had done in the old, he's going to continue to do in the now. And so as as God brought down the the mighty, as God uh, uh, humbled the proud, as God looked upon the rich and he fed those who were hungry, she recognized, I don't want to miss out on what God is doing. And I want to be in line with God more than I'm in line with what the world is doing. And I believe Mary had a robust theology of God's goodness lived out in meekness. Now, this week, Mike and I were talking a little bit, and he was talking about the idea of meekness. And it really got my mind and heart kind of triggered on this idea. You know, as we were talking about it, it was kind of funny how, you know, you don't really see a lot of books or conferences on come and learn to be meek. Or, wow, shouldn't we have the courage to be more meek in life? And yet, I think meekness combined with a robust theology of God's goodness is what Mary was embracing in this moment. Now, again, we, we got to recognize Mary is not, is not rich She doesn't have mighty and strength. She doesn't have things that she could be proud of or or empires to look around. She didn't have all those things. She's a a, a 12 to 14-year-old Jewish young girl finding herself pregnant. Yet in this moment, she has a belief and an idea of God that says, I don't want to miss out on the goodness of God. And so I want to I follow the path of meekness that leads to God. You know, it's interesting when we think about this, we need to have a great ambition to be meek. You see, ambition itself is not, is not wrong. It's good to strive for things. It's good to set goals. It's good to move forward. It's good to want to achieve something. Yet the question we've been asking all morning is, are we having the right ambitions? Are we having the right goals? Are we achieving the right things? And so as much as you and I want to say, well, I want to I be successful in my life. I want to be successful in what I do. I want to be successful. I want to have ambition to, to be meek. What is meekness? Well, uh, Mike shared this quote I want to share with you as well. It's Sinclair Ferguson, and he writes this, he says it is the humble, or we can use the word meek in there, is the humble, meek strength that belongs to a man who has learned to submit to difficulties, difficult experiences, difficult people, knowing that in everything, God is working for his good. There's two things that really caught my attention from this quote about the idea of humbleness or meekness and that ambition. It's the idea that we can learn to submit to difficulties. I want, I want to be honest with you. That's that's hard for me because I want to I want to tackle difficulties. I want to I work at difficulties and, and beat difficulties. I want to be victorious over difficulties. I want to I be better than the difficulties. I don't want to have to submit to them. And yet I think there's these moments in life, not in every difficulty, but there's moments in our lives when we have no other choice than just to say, I, I have to submit to them. There's, there's great wisdom in learning the, the difficulties in life when, when I have nothing else I can offer, nothing else I can do. There's nothing else that God is wanting me to do into it other than to submit to it. Because it, in the difficulties, it's, it, it's not what I'm, I, I'm, I'm looking at. I'm looking beyond the difficulties and seeing the goodness of God. And the goodness of God is going to, to, to always be victorious over darkness. The goodness of God is always going to win out in the end. The goodness of God is always going to restore things to the way they are to be, whether it's in this moment or whether it's in the future or whether it's in eternity. And so that that roadblock, that mountain of difficulties in front of me, sometimes I'm not called to to climb it. Sometimes I'm not called to defeat it. Sometimes I'm called just to to submit to it because I I, I have the, the goodness of God. You know, this goodness of God is something that is reminded to us that sometimes in the hard moments we have to submit to them because I'm placing my hope in a baby in the manger more than I am of the king in the castle. And Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar and Herod, they were all putting their hopes in the king of the castle themselves in that moment. And yet Mary teaches us, reminds us that the baby in the manger is where we put our hopes in. And so, You and I, we can submit to whatever that difficulty is in our life. We don't have to always fight that battle. We can trust that God is doing something. Indeed, in fact, we learn in Matthew chapter 5, it's that the meek will inherit the earth. And so if you don't want to miss out, then you've got to ask yourself the question, Lord, what is it that I'm going after? Lord, what is it that that matters in this life? And if if the meek are gonna inherit the earth and and I know that 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 treasures are gonna are gonna rust and fade and the moth and the thief is gonna come and destroy them, then then what do I gain if if I try to go after the things of this life, I I just lose. But I, I gain the kingdom, I gain the, I inherit the, the, the things that God deems as good, the things that God deems as, as valuable, I inherit those things through, through meekness. And So this morning, we just think about, what do we need to pray? How do we need to kind of move our thoughts? And so I, I thought about this, I said, Lord, you know, I, I, I want, uh, let me fight the right fights. Let me be passionate about the things that you care about. Don't let me miss what you're doing because I have my eyes focused on what doesn't matter. Lord, I I I don't want my feet pointed into the wrong direction. I think those kind of questions are going to prepare us so that we aren't going to miss the very things that God wants us to see. It's going to cause us to be different because there's a difference when it comes to following Christ. He's going to change us. We might not be the same person we were a few months ago, a few years ago, or maybe even a decade. That's a good thing. We shouldn't fear those things. You might not look like everyone else is because everyone else is, is running a race that you're not running. You're fighting, they're fighting a battle you're not fighting. But in the stories that we're looking at, would we not rather be merry? The shepherds, the wise men, than we would to be the kings of empires and the kings of countries and the rulers over rich things. In the end, goodness wins over darkness. In the end, God is not going to be mocked. God's not going to be defeated. God's not going to be destroyed. Something's not gonna come and 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 surprise God or take something away from God. God is going to 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 rule and will rule and is ruling. You can be assured of that. And so what do we do in these times? What do we do in these moments? We we pray this prayer. We say, Lord, I I wanna I I, I wanna fight the right fights. Lord, I want to care about the right things. Lord, I want to live a life that is of meekness, of humbleness, that is not seeking for my own gain or my own ambition, but is trusting God.